is cooking. Hello, and welcome back to, uh, I don't know if this really has a title, uh, The Rock and Roll, I don't know, uh, rolling, the, the Rolling Rock, we're, we're following The Rock's career, and we're following the career of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, we really need to get a title hammered out here. <laughs> yeah, we do. We'll figure it out as we go. Um, hammered out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Sorry. It's all right. Uh, today we will be discussing... <laughs> Uh, in case you couldn't guess, the annoying person that keeps talking over me is Ow, and who just hit me. I now have evidence of that. Is uh, they don't see anything. Is Megan, and I am Eric. And today we will be discussing The Rock's first film role, uh, as opposed to a TV appearance, which was our last video mm-hmm. or last audio, I should say, last podcast, uh, which was The Mummy Returns. And um, uh, first, I guess we'll we'll talk about how how. We heard about The Mummy Returns, The Rock being in it, and our opinions when we first saw it, which in your case was a few minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we literally, well, well, let's, let, let's lay the groundwork first. If you don't oh, know. okay. For, okay, sorry. Uh, first, uh, I saw it in the theater. I actually saw it three times in the theater, The Mummy Returns. <laughs> it, is, it was the only movie I had seen multiple times in the theater until 1917 came out. Uh, and I was paid to watch 1970. No, that's not true. We saw um, Guardians of the Galaxy twice. You did? Yeah. Okay. Well, then, okay, until Guardians of the Galaxy then. Yeah. Uh, and the reason was because um, when The Mummy Returns came out, there was nothing else that I really wanted to see. So I saw it. Then I went and saw it again because I wanted to go to the movies. And then my mother and I and my father moved to uh, Georgia uh, that summer and... Even though it was out of theaters where I was living in Florida, in Georgia, the local theater still had it playing, <laughs> so I watched it there, <laughs> which was fun. Um, uh, the, so, um, and I loved it. Obviously, I saw it multiple times. We won't go into the specifics of the actors or anything like that, just our overall opinions right now. But I genuinely loved it. I heard The Rock was going to be in it. And I was, of course, extremely happy about that because, as I mentioned, I was a pretty big, you know, Dwayne Johnson fan at that point, though predominantly related to his um, his wrestling career. Uh, but I, I knew he was going to be in it. Um, we'll go into him specifically in a bit. But your initial impressions, having just seen the movie for the first time. Well, well, it was definitely fun. Um, it's kind of weird for me because I've seen Scorpion King and yeah. I've seen the first Mummy, but I never saw the second one, which is so... This show's so me yeah, when it comes it really to is. watching movies. I'm just saying. Um, but, yeah, I... It's weird because I know about the CGI, like, a lot of people mention the bad CGI. Oh, we'll get into the bad CGI. <laughs> a lot, a lot of videos it. online talk about how the movie's fun, but the CGI is awful, which, okay. Did it live up to its expectations of awfulness? Uh, kind of. I, You know what's messed up is I've seen worse. <laughs> we all have. I've seen worse, we, but it's still pretty bad. It really is. It, it's that end part with the... 
Yeah, we'll, we'll get yeah. to that. We will get to that. Don't <laughs> worry. Um, as far as, um, we should also probably comment on the first Longing movie. We won't talk about the Scorpion King yet because one, it wasn't out yet, and two, we'll be covering that anyway. Yeah, we're going to be covering that. But we'll, we'll touch on our opinions on the first Longing movie. Um, I loved the first Longing movie, but I had never seen the Universal Monster movies, so I did not know there were, there was a cavalcade of people, because it came out when I was high, in high school. Um, there was a cavalcade of people that told me not to go see it because it completely stepped on the, the greatness of the original horror film. Uh, I genuinely loved it as kind of a, a, a pseudo Indiana Jones esque, you know, fun time. Yeah, it's basically a Indiana Jones ripoff, but like, it does I, well. enjoy, I enjoy it. I mean, I like. I like silly movies, honestly. I it has it has a joke that has never failed to make me laugh, which is when they're on the boat. <laughs> this is the first Mummy movie again. When they're on the boat and it's on fire, and the guy that was going to hang O'Connell runs up to O'Connell and he goes, "What do we do? What do we do?" And O'Connell goes, "You wait here. I'll go get help." And then he jumps overboard. <laughs> and the, guy, the, the guy just runs back and forth for a second and realizes. The boat's on fire. The only thing we can do is swim away. And he jumps off. I love that joke. <laughs> yeah, it's been a really, really long time since I've actually seen that movie. Yeah, the first... Was, Go ahead. I was not... I, I think I'm barely in my double digits when that movie came out. I'm sure my parents watched it. They watched all that kind of movie. All those kind of movies. We, we made it a specific point not to watch the first movie before we watched The Returns because we're just doing The Rocks run through. Yeah. Like when we get to the Fast and Furious we're movies, we're not going to watch the first few. We're going to just watch the one when The Rock shows up. Yeah, honestly, the, no. the one where The Rock shows up is when it's, like, I mean, the one before it in the Fast and Furious was pretty good, but, like, when And I like two and parts of, I even like parts of three. The one that's the weakest all the way through is the first one, but we're not talking Fast and Furious. Yeah, we're not talking about that. That's we're talking, we're talking The Rock, and yeah. the reason we're going to avoid, uh, we wanted to avoid The Mummy just so we could have more focus on the Mummy Returns. Uh, well, uh, seeing as how we are talking about Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and uh, by the way, he is still credited as The Rock in the title of this one. <laughs> yeah. not, not Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. We, we haven't gotten to the... we got to pay attention to see when he actually... Yeah, because there was a specific point when he started requesting people refer to him only as Dwayne Probably Johnson. Probably in the Walking Tall movie. Well, we'll, we'll see. I, I think it was because... <laughs> The Rock is technically a character owned by the WWF, and I think it's when he officially stopped being part yeah. of that. When he moved officially to movies, he could no longer use that subtitle as his persona, so he had to switch to Dwayne Johnson. Unfortunately, people still trip up and call him The Rock all the time. He's fine with it. I'm sure he's fine with it. I'm just sure that the, the legals are not happy yeah. about it. Uh, probably his agents are a little mad, too. We need him to remember this, who he is, not the character he played. Uh, but anyway. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. That, that, that's like saying, like, look, with Prince, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Will Smith knew he needed to be called Will Smith, because if not, he would have been known as something else for the rest of his damn life. Yeah. So, and this is the same situation. That's true. Uh, but anyway, since we are talking about Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and he is titled as The Rock, and he actually is only in the start of the movie. There's only three points that the Scorpion King makes an appearance in this entire movie, and only two of them, I'm pretty sure, actually involve Dwayne Johnson. And the second one is debatable, which I'm pretty sure you missed. But I'll... We'll Kid put the bridge. You did catch it. Yeah, I'm a, very a, good at watching movies. Okay, well that's that's good to know. But yeah, when the kid puts on the bracelet after about what twenty minutes into the movie, yeah. there's a, a holographic projection, and 
the holographic projection like zooms in on like what we assume is Dwayne Johnson's mouth as he's screaming because yeah. he's the Scorpion King. Yeah. But it could have been a stunt double for all I know. It's so quick, it's barely barely noticeable. Yeah. And the end, of course, is the terrible CG Scorpion monster. Which I'm which sure he did motion capture for, but maybe it oh. didn't capture his motion. We'll yeah. say that. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that later. But the only Sorry. actual part, no, 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 I'm, I'm with you. The only part in the story that actually has. Dwayne The Rock Johnson is the very opening. Yeah. So we might as well just talk about that, and then we'll go into the rest of the story laid out just yeah. as a Mummy Returns It's, it's going to be another short episode, because he wasn't in it all that long. Well, we can talk a bit more about Mummy Returns. I mean, I, yeah, I like actually discussing the movies, not just his re- But he's yeah, the reason but, we're watching it, but it's still a movie review. Yeah, true, but the point is that he's only in it about as much as his Voyager appearance. <laughs> True. But, uh, so, the Dwayne Johnson part of this will be short, but we'll still discuss The Mighty Returns at length, because it is a good movie. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, okay, because if we're just doing, if we're only going to cover the parts that Dwayne Johnson is in, there aren't going to be any long segments of this for a very long time. In the next movie we're covering, he literally is an uncredited as Mugger. I only know he's in it because it's on IMDb. Uh, I'm guessing he's in it for three seconds, so sure. we're going to have to actually cover the movies. Hopefully that one's a short one, because it sounds like a terrible movie. Yeah, well, maybe we'll find another so bad it's good film in there. Who knows? I doubt it. But, okay, let's get back to the Scorpion King. Um, so, the opening is, uh, much like the opening of the first morning movie, where um, Oded Farrar, who plays Ardit Bey, the leader of the Magi, uh, tells a story. And the story in the first movie is about uh, Imhotep and how him and Naksukun both ended up dead, and he ended up cursed, and his powers and all that stuff. In the second one, it's the story of the Scorpion King. And the Scorpion King is a guy who led a huge army to conquer the known world uh, and got his ass handed to him. After uh, six or seven years? Yeah, after seven years, he says. After seven long years. Seven is a very important number in uh, movies. Apparently. And uh, <laughs> in the uh, his, him and his people were forced into the desert to wander aimlessly. And eventually, only he was the only one left alive. Uh, and just before he died, he made a deal with the god Anubis that um, if he gave him an army capable of destroying his enemies and spared his life, he would give him his soul. Which, considering Anubis is the god of the underworld, it's a little weird that he doesn't he already would, have his soul. He would eventually get his soul anyways, but... Yeah. I mean, I guess This you could, show... Look, we're not, we're not watching this movie to get an accurate... Depiction of... It. Egyptian mythology. True. Uh, but anyway, so not only does um, Anubis agree uh, and create a humongously beautiful oasis called the Oasis of Amshir for the rock to recover in, or the Scorpion King, I should say... He uh, also gives him his army of dog soldiers um, that are kind of cool. I, I like their design. Um, and he slaughters... The first instance of CGI. In the movie. Mm-hmm. It, it holds up better than a lot of the other CGI. Yeah, it's not great. Grading on a scale. <laughs> Grading on the scale oh, yeah. of this movie. On the scale of this movie, it's a little better. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it gets away with it because um, they're clearly not... like. They're mystically created monsters. Like, they're not trying to look humanoid. I think the big problem with the Scorpion King CGI at the end is that they try to make it look like the rock on the top half. And if you look more like a rope, like a scorpion top to bottom, I probably would buy it more. But you look like a human. And humans CGI never... It's really hard to do, right? It's really hard. They barely can pull it off in video games, Mm -hmm. let alone 
movies. But anyway, getting back to the the opening, the, the thing, not there are people. It really is weird to me that the Scorpion King got not only his own movie, but like has an entire movie franchise. They just released the fifth one like two years ago. <laughs> because the movie literally opens like the last shot of the Rock in this movie is his army burning an entire city and throwing like women and children off. Like, we hear them screaming he's as they really fall down. He's the bad guy. Yeah, and he's <laughs> laughing maniacally as they're all dying around him. And then his soul gets ripped out. It's legitimately like, he's the hero of the next movie? Really? That's weird. <laughs> That's weird. But <laughs> I, I guess. I guess. I, guess. Like, I, I honestly feel like it's I mean, all... this movie isn't very logical. The point of this movie is that they keep making the joke again. Basically. <laughs> but but the, the wall, I feel like the only reason the Scorpion King got not only his own movie, but his own movie franchise is from the sheer, raw, charismatic power of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah. It's only because Dwayne The Rock Johnson played that character that that character is memorable. That and is literally it. He became a good guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so that is my my take on that. Uh, I will, as far as the, the Rock's acting, uh, he doesn't get much. He really only gets one line, and it's delivered in Ancient Egyptian, because there is a line later, but it's talked over, so you yeah. can't really hear his performance. Uh, uh, but the opening line is, Aku Mashente. roughly translates to it's hot as hell which it's is kind of like the Lion King opening it's a lion <laughs> it's, there's a lion <laughs> it's legitimately funny because if that is the line if, if he is <laughs> if he really is just saying it's hot as hell and that was also his like his like he, he says that as he moves his, his sword forward and everybody charges I'm like that's just like a badass patent line it's like <laughs> it's like it's Get out of here! Kill all those people! <laughs> uh, uh, the other line he says is also in ancient Egyptian, but it's talked over so you can't really hear it. As far as his physical acting, um, I think he's so—he's clearly not a sword fighter, but he does like a like a, a clothesline slam with his giant awkward scorpion shield, <laughs> yeah. which has got to be the weirdest design for a shield ever. Yeah. And um, so, and, you know, he looks confident when he's fighting, and then his, like, I'm dying in the desert, like, <laughs> he sells that well enough. Like, I, I it would have been nice if he'd, like, been covered in, like, sand, and his skin was, like, cracking and all that, to sell that he really was out death's door. As it is, he just looks like the rock. He looks like the rock that got lost in the desert. Yeah, he really <laughs> does, but... I, I think he sold the, like, I'm nearly out of energy well enough, because he drops to his knees, and he looks, like, the look in his eye is, like, I'm exhausted. So yeah. That was pretty good. Um, and that is all we see of the actual physical rock, aside from, like, the shot of his mouth when the scorpion braces him. And really bad. CGI, which doesn't count. Uh, I guess now we'll, we'll cover the, uh, the basics of the actual plot of the movie, uh, which are... Not again. <laughs> Basically, that this movie is, in my opinion, almost Gremlins 2 <laughs> level of pointing out everything that happened in the first movie and making fun of it. Yeah. And it does it brilliantly because it doesn't lose its legitimately adventurous tone. It really is just a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it starts in media res, basically. We find out later that... Uh, if you hear any jingling, it's because the cats are fighting. Uh, they're so, playing, uh, not fighting. Okay, well, my apologies if you hear that jingling. 
Uh, but anyway, uh, apparently we find out through context clues, which I actually was glad they did, yeah. that uh, Evie has been having, Evie and Rick have since been married, and they have a huge house where they live with uh, Evie's brother, who apparently was his son, and they've had a kid, a kid who is now eight years oldish, because this takes place nine years after the end of the last movie. Yeah. Uh, even though it was released two years later, which was very confusing for me when I saw it in the theater. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> That's an awful all- joke. <laughs> It's almost like movies don't care about that. true. It doesn't really matter, though, does it? No. <laughs> if we made every movie of, like based on how much time has passed, it it wouldn't be as fun. True. true. I'm just saying at the time, it kind of confused me. Uh, but it turns out that they've they gotten married, and they've had a kid uh, named Alex, who is very a very good child actor. I've actually said he, doesn't, he didn't, wasn't in more things. He wasn't annoying, like some actors. Yeah, apparently, apparently the the actor in question uh, actually gave up being in um, the early Harry Potter movies to be in this. Uh, The name was his name is Freddie Both uh, B O A T H. Uh, yeah, and he was really good in it. I, I liked it. Apparently, he worked really hard to get this particular role because he was a huge fan of the original Mummy. Like he, they literally questioned him on set for continuity for the first movie. Mm-hmm. He was so into the first movie, which you know, did a good job. You know, for a kid actor, he did a really good job. Um, but anyway, getting back to the plot, the uh, the Mummy in question, uh, the story opens with them, uh, Rick and Evie and their son exploring a tomb. And they're doing this because Evie has been having dreams about this particular tomb. Yeah. And they walk in and they get uh, the Scorpion's King's bracelet after you know, avoiding all these traps. And they do a really good job of catching you up with that each of them has affected the other one. Because there's like that moment when, when she hands him the, the little chisel, the little hammer, and he looks at them. And then she just gives him the... She's the, like, okay, you're away. Yeah, and then later when she's trying to open a box with a with with the crowbar, them. he reaches over and pulls a little thing like, like from the How first How do we movie. do it your way? And yeah, they just open it with the, the key to the, the box, which was great. Uh, but they also show they're still distinctly different. Like when they're walking through the, the big pile of scorpions and, and tarantulas, Evie kind of tip hops between from one little island to the next, and Rick just clomp and then walks through them, and you hear them crunching. <laughs> it's great. Uh, <laughs> they're both crossing the, the little way. They're both crossing this pit full of scorpions, but each doing it significant to their character, which is nice. Um, and then while they're there, a bunch of Scooby-Doo villains show up, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. These three, these three goofballs. I really don't know what purpose they served in the story, other than to be stupid bad guys that and die, then get killed later by yeah. the big, big, the, yeah. the BBEG, as they say in D and D. Well, it's debatable if he's the big bad guy or if the Scorpion King is. Yeah, it's one of the things I did like about this movie <laughs> is that it actually has like there were multiple times where there was like three different sides to every battle. Yeah, and I really thought that was neat. But um, getting back to the plot, so the the Scooby-Doo villains attempt to kill Alex, and they attempt to kill uh, Rick and Evie, but Rick and Evie accidentally open a trap that that floods the pyramid, and they recreate that scene with the bookcases with Evie with Alex, where he knocks down all these pillars, and then the pillars just happen to open up the wall that his parents were trapped behind (laughs) when they were about to drown. 
I can explain everything. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. That this movie, like I said, almost everything in this movie is a reference to the first movie and either making that reference more, more of a point in the story or legitimately just poking the at the stupidity of that thing in the first movie. Um, there are a lot of continuity errors with it, and we'll touch on a couple of those, but there's, there is legitimate fun with this, having yeah. what the first movie did. So they get back home uh, to their big palatial house. Apparently the money from the sacks on the back of the camels that Benny filled allowed them to afford a really nice house. Um, and apparently Jonathan, in the recent, in, in the ensuing nine years, managed to lose everything that he, his cut of the treasure. Except, he's just such a responsible guy. Yeah, gambling, except for this one scepter, the scepter of Osiris, which has a wonderful through line through the movie, and yeah. we'll get to that in a minute. But, um, so they get home and they're accosted by, um, Lokna, played by, and I apologize if I've gotten this actor's name wrong, Adewale Agnue Akbaje, whose most famous role was probably Mr. Echo in Lost, uh, and uh, he was also in the first uh, G.I. Joe movie, he was in um, the most recently, most recent famous movie he was in, he played uh, Killer Croc in Suicide Squad, and you're making a face. <laughs> <laughs> No reason. <laughs> no reason. Megan and I have serious issues with Suicide Squad, not the least of which is it won the makeup effects for that year. And it over Star Trek Beyond. Yeah, and Beyond has some amazing practical effects. I'm... Why? <laughs> they, they look like they went to Party City and bought their costumes and that beat Star Trek Beyond? Well, luckily, Dwayne The Rock Johnson was not in... Suicide Squad, so we don't have to review it. Thank God. <laughs> but in any event, um, so we go, uh, so um, Lochna attacks um, Evie and Alex downstairs, while upstairs, uh, Mila, who is the genetic reincarnation of Anaxi the Moon, uh, Imhotep's lover from the first movie, and the head curator of the Egyptology wing at the local British Museum. museum uh, Acost, Jonathan, and Rick. And then there's a really fun fight sequence that takes place. Ardent Bay shows back up and helps defend uh, Rick and his family. These guys, the, the bad guys, we'll, we'll just call them red shirts because that's literally and figuratively what they are. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe you noticed it before me. I usually <laughs> notice this shit before you. <laughs> the, these guys are the most generic. Like, they make stormtroopers look vital to the Empire <laughs> because... Imhotep could not care less. The only one he gives a shit about is Mila, and it's because she looks like the girl he used to tap. That's literally <laughs> it. He could not care less. He would not piss on them if they were on fire. <laughs> Which is great. It's so funny to see all of these people willing to die to serve Imhotep, and every and him not even willing to like spare like my favorite thing that I noticed watching it this time was that every time the Egyptologist talks to him, he never looks directly at him. He just turns his head slightly so he can hear him better, and then goes back to doing whatever he was doing. He's like, yeah, okay, just yeah, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Uh, I just love that. It's great. Um, uh, so those guys actually had a scene earlier where they were digging up Imo they were digging up Imhotep, and then we get just after the attack. Um, Evie is kidnapped, and they raise Imhotep, and they also raise these four uh, 
mummy warriors. Yeah, and then they were a, in the first movie. They were in the first movie, although they weren't technically raised by Imhotep. They were raised by Jonathan when he was reading the Book of the Dead. Yeah. But they listened to Imhotep until Jonathan took full control. So I guess we're just assuming that... This, He's back in control? I guess. They're also... <laughs> In There's a, some moments you're just gonna be like movie. <laughs> yeah, you got you got you, this is not a movie you should overanalyze, which is why it's hard for me to analyze. Yeah, it. Th- there's <laughs> one moment where I'm just like, wait a minute, and you're like, just. Yeah, just <laughs> the suspension of disbelief must be strong to enjoy this particular <laughs> film. Uh, then there's a great fight sequence on the double decker bus, which is one of my favorites ever. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. Um. And then uh, the, the the movie never the great the both positive and negative of this movie is that although it is having a lot of fun with its premise, if you cared about the mummy at all as a horror film, the first movie does have some genuinely creepy moments. This movie has a pretty much none. Almost no. every moment that could be creepy is played for comedy. Yeah, which works in its favor, in my opinion, but only if you're really into the adventurous feeling. Like if you're if you're behind, if you love Indiana Jones as much as I do, you'll love this movie. Yeah, basically. But you have to be in that mindset. Um, so after the double decker bus uh, attack, it turns out that uh, it's like the uh, first mummy is like the first Indiana Jones, and this is like the third one. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot more fun. Something that I noticed watching it this time is that it feels more fantastical, primarily because. The first movie, all the fantastical elements were almost universally connected to the mummy. Yeah. That giant wall of sand, all of the the ten plagues, everything that was magical was connected to the mummy himself, Imhotep. But in this movie, there's magic everywhere, and the mummy is just one small part of it, which is actually kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, He's not even technically the biggest threat in this story. He's just a guy they they resurrected to fight the big threat, which is kind of neat. So the... He could take over the world. <laughs> yeah, I assume. I assume the of red shirts. Yeah, I assume the red shirts thought he would be grateful to them and then give him them like massive power and wealth. But it, with how little he seems to give a shit, I'm they pretty were, sure that, that they were gambling hard on him caring. Yeah, um, <laughs> it, it's like all bad guys in uh, in movies where they have like these bunch of basically minions, and you're like. What are they? What is the benefit of you working for this guy? Because he clearly doesn't care about you. Yeah, <laughs> any one of these guys who are clearly trained in warfare and willing to put their lives in line would probably have made a much better, more stable life if they just joined the military or something. <laughs> <laughs> this is supposed to be 1933. Yeah. So, I mean. <laughs> so, but okay, so Alex is kidnapped after the bus fight. And um, they decide to track Rick and the others decide to track him down. Now, one major, well, not major, but one problem I do have with this movie, although I'm willing to forgive it, is that there is, the stakes are constantly being raised. Because we find out when Alex put on the, the scorpion bracelet that he was, that the scorpion king will be resurrected in seven days from that moment. Nothing can change that. However, it's revealed to Alex after he's kidnapped that if he is in the pyramid where the Scorpion King will rise by the dawn of that seventh day, he will immediately die. And it's like, we did we really need that extra level? Like it was. The, I assume that that was part of it, but I yeah. guess they didn't mention that. They didn't mention that before then, which is weird. Um, and then. And then the, we'll get to the Oasis, but there's, like, these monsters there they have to fight. Yeah. It's like... They're, they're on an airship yeah, for most of the movie. <laughs> so, getting back to this point in the story, while Alex is leading Imhotep and his people 
to um, the the temp to the oasis of Amshir because there's several different points you have to hit. Um, Rick and Evie and Jonathan are uh, hiring a guy named Izzy, who is a pilot that Rick used to know, and he has a, a literal Final Fantasy airship. And it's got a, it's literally we're just a, a fake iPad. Yeah, we're a fake iPad. You literally got like a boat attached to a giant balloon that is straight out of Final Fantasy Nine. <laughs> if you've ever played Final Fantasy Nine, I think it's another Final Fantasies as well. Yeah, but uh, Nine is the one I'm most familiar with, mm-hmm. and it was the most graphically furthest along. That I think wasn't. There's one in like six. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I haven't played any. I know there's a lot of this airships in the Final has, Fantasy so. series. I'm just saying the one I played that had mm-hmm. the most airships was Nine. Okay. Uh, so anyway, um, so you know, there's a constant chase trying, each one trying to get to Amshir. And they successfully, O'Connell's people successfully reach Amshir uh, while being chased by a giant wall of water, <laughs> which is a direct ripoff of the sand scene from the first movie. Like I said, everything in this movie is again, yeah. but it's done with a again kind of tone. No, <laughs> right? I do, I do have questions about the water thing because, like. Why was it coming from behind when they were going toward... I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Sorry, another logical loophole thing. Yeah, well, the, the big fault I have with it is that he... Emotep just seems to have basic telekinesis in this movie where he can pick he up people... He just has stuff. all the power. <laughs> yeah, but in, in the original movie, they specifically said all he had was power over the sand. That's why he makes a wall of sand. He can't just grab things with his mind. It has to be sand. And water isn't sand. That's time I checked. So... <laughs> Uh, um, so they, they crash, Rick and his crew crash in Amshir, and Izzy, yeah. Izzy is left behind to try to fix the airship. That and, looks fucking trash. <laughs> it looks really trashed. Uh, Izzy's a great character. He's such a, like, an unscrupulous monster. At least mon- you didn't get shot this time. Yeah, he's an unscrupulous monster, but, well, not a monster, but he's an unscrupulous cow, uh, um, what's the word, uh, from the second one? Scoundrel. He's an unscrupulous scoundrel with a heart of gold. But, um... Uh, Jonathan successfully steals the gold stick, because that's how they convinced Izzy to work for them, was to give him the gold stick of Osiris. Yeah, gold stick. <laughs> the gold, that's what they keep calling it in the movie. They call gold. it a scepter. No, they, when they... For, well, just, yeah, they, give, they do call it a stick, you're right. I'm, I'm combining both of its titles, the scepter of Osiris and the gold stick. It's the gold stick of Osiris. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and uh, Rick... Odette Ferrar's character is Ardette, and Evie and Jonathan go to rescue Alex. And then there's another really cool sequence where Alex um, Alex is being held hostage by the red shirts, mm-hmm. and then the red shirts are attacked by these mummy pygmies, which when they showed up in the movie, I was like, the first time I saw it, I was like, I don't know what the fuck this is, but I am so down for it. <laughs> were, you, were you high? <laughs> it's legitimately like it makes no sense that they're there, but I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. <laughs> they're another CGI thing. I guess they're one of the better looking things. Well, I, I think they get away with it because it's night every time you see one. Yeah. So they don't look as bad. And they also do a pretty good job of trying to keep them, for the most part, hidden underneath tall grass, and you can't really see them that much. Yes. They don't go. They don't get obnoxious with them like they do the the mummy. Like the the uh, the, the actual CGI of the mummy in this one was terrible because yeah, they kept showing him in the sunlight. 
He looked awful. When they would focus on it, it just did not work. Like, when he was in the black robe with the black mask, that was kind of cool. Yeah, there's a scene where, it's Although, only one scene in the whole movie, yeah. but he's wearing a black mask and a black robe, and that black mask and black robe looked creepier than any version of the mummy, this movie or the previous one. The thing is, like, that would have been a great way to introduce him, and yet it's the second time we meet him. Yeah, because we get to see his actual resurrection where he's yeah. bad-mouthing, like, I'm going to kill you, Evie. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to put you in your grave again, you prick. <laughs> um, so there's another really great action scene where, again, it's a three-way fight where Rick and uh, Rick and his crew bust into the, the red shirts that are all fighting off the pygmies and start killing them to get to Alex. And they get Alex away, and then uh, Oded Farrar's character, Ardit Bay, and Lochna have a badass sword fight. And then, uh, I guess, Art at Bay must be like a world sprinter, because he successfully leaves the movie, runs out of the Oasis, gets to his men, and is literally, like, on horseback the next yeah. time we see him. And just so we're clear, we see him within hours. Like, they literally, because Alex gets back to his parents, says, I have to be at the temple before the sun hits it today. And literally, the sun is rising at that moment. Yet, somehow, <laughs> so because this movie has no concept of distance. They, no. I mean, like, yeah, you see them traveling, and it takes a little bit of time, but it doesn't take that much time. Apparently, in 1933, it was possible to get to, from England, to Egypt in less than three days? Less than two. Less than two, Because yeah. he puts on the score, because the next time when, when uh, Imhotep tells him that he, he, has yeah, he has seven five, days, yeah. he only has five left. Yeah. So it took them two days to get all the way there. And then That's to hit every single one of those stops that the, the thing showed them. I think there's like five different places yeah. they had to get to before they reach on Sheer. Yeah. So yeah, this movie has no sense of distance. It's like later season Game of Thrones. <laughs> they, they developed fast <laughs> travel. <laughs> they just showed up. They found all their um, points of travel so yeah. they could just... <laughs> <laughs> They they found the merchant that sold the the fast travel coins and they just managed to boom, there we are. They found the staff of fast travel. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The golden stick of fast travel. <laughs> okay, in in Morrowind, I'm totally naming a magical object that you can make magical objects. The golden stick of fast travel. That's yeah, great. You can you can name magical objects and make them do certain things. In That's cool. Morrowind. Uh, so I'm I'm down for that. Also, the next D and D game you do. There should be a golden stick of fast travel. Because uh, I mean, I, I mean, in in Marwood, I had the pants of levitation. <laughs> hey, those things were freaking useful. I bet. <laughs> so, um, so uh, after uh, Alex gets back with the family and Ardet manages to rejoin with the Magi, even though they were clearly miles away, uh, he uh, uh, Alex uh, and Rick race into the pyramid before the sun hits it. And then we get the most shocking moment in the movie where uh, Evie and Jonathan are running up behind them and they see that Alice is okay. And then out from behind them walks Anaxunamun and Imhotep and Anaxunamun stabs Evie in the stomach. And then there's a very emotional scene where she dies. And uh, Rick, like, it's a really well done scene in my opinion where Rick says, you know, what do I do, Evie? And she says, take care of Alex. And then she dies. And that was legitimately emotional. And I should point out, they did a pretty good job with Evie in this. Even though she is kidnapped at one point in the story, at no point does she ever cower or break down. She's a badass consistently through the movie. 
Yeah. Uh, the big fight scene in the flashback where we find out that she's actually the reincarnation of Nefertiri and she's fighting, her past life is fighting Anubis in the Moon. In that sequence, apparently both actresses legitimately did it. Like, no stunt doubles. They fought that scene together. Now, I will admit... That's, it's that's one of my favorite parts of the movie, yeah, too. It's badass as fuck. I will admit it is exploitative as hell because oh, there's no yeah. reason those girls would be wearing bikinis. <laughs> Just masking bikinis. <laughs> so, like, why are you why are you bothering to protect your face if you're you know like the rest of your organs are fully reachable with these weapons? Like, you should be wearing a full. But to be fair, in the beginning of the movie, none of the Scorpion King soldiers were wearing wearing armor either. Yeah, so. nobody was wearing. I guess the Egyptians just didn't know about armor. I don't <laughs> you know, if you put something over your skin, then blades can't cut it as easy. What? Really? <laughs> what magic is this? What? <laughs> I don't know if you can hear that, but that's our, our dog, Ash, again. <laughs> He's mad that we're not paying enough attention to him, I think. So, uh, uh, anyway, um, so Eve dies, and we were co I was commenting on this in the movie. Um, you know, this is how you actually have someone die in a movie, and even bring them back, because she does come back, spoilers. Uh, in the same movie... No shit. Yeah, in the same movie she comes back, but I still feel the emotion of it because they did a good job showing that it legitimately hurt Rick and Alex and Jonathan. Um, unlike a certain Star Trek movie known as Into Darkness, where they almost had me with that emotional speech from Kirk about how he's afraid and that, you know, it's, you know... And Spock's Spock, like, I don't know. I, Spock's like, I can't control my emotions right now. I remember losing it in the theater. Yeah, and then Spock does the, the angry... Like, I just got... Like, the, the most... When I saw that facial expression, I swear to God, I thought to myself, he's mad at his parents and they didn't buy him a crayon book. <laughs> <laughs> That's the exact same expression every four-year-old when your parents tell you, you can't have that now! <laughs> this goes up nose, and he screams con, and I lose it every time. They never had Rick scream in Hotep, thank God. No, <laughs> he didn't go, he didn't fall to his knees and go, no! No, he just... Calmly, like <laughs> it, it, like someone who is legitimately rage and grief filled, just says, "Alex, stay here with Jonathan," and then he stands up and walks into the building and the pyramid. And the thing I love about that is that at that moment, Rick doesn't know that Imhotep is mortal and doesn't have his superpowers anymore because yeah. they get taken away. He by just wants to run up and punch a god. Yeah, he just wants to run up and punch a god. That's just what his his mind is at. When you're uh, D and D, and all you want to do is just punch a wizard. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um. And then uh, uh, Alex gets the brilliant idea to use the actual resurrection book of the dead because that's what it does yeah. to resurrect his mom, yeah. uh, which they do. And then there's a fight uh, between uh, Evie and Anafsu Moon, which uh, Evie kicks Anafsu Moon's ass. Yeah. And inside, Rick is doing his best to kill the um, to kill Imhotep until. The legendarily bad CGI Scorpion King CGI shows up. In the film. Yeah, it's, easily. It's, I, okay, from what I've read, the the movie they legitimately only finished that CGI like eight days before the movie was supposed to be released. Like they they were rushing to get that done, uh, uh, and it shows. It, but I, it would have been better if they just had the Rock walk out. Yeah, we we were debating like if the Rock. 
Put the rock in like full like Anubis guards like armor. Yeah. And just like... have him walk out and just punch them and then they fly across the room or something like that. Like that would have been much better. Yeah. Than this attempt and to do a scorpion man. And probably cheaper. And then to do this attempted scorpion man, which even I would have a hard time believing you could make that look believable even with today's CGI, yeah. but we're talking two thousand one here. Yeah. There was no way that was gonna work. Um, no. Even if they had months to get it perfect, I don't think the CGI was there yet. Yeah, I, I feel like like the only CGI I've seen that that was from that time period that was probably worse. Well, there was probably a lot, but I'm I'm thinking of which it's a movie I personally like, but I know everybody hates. The Scooby Doo movie has pretty bad CGI, and yeah. that's what this CGI looks like. Ash. Sorry, that was Ash digging and barking. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I, again, I give this movie a lot of passes so I can live with it. But I, even at the time, I was like, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah. It really yeah. is. By the way, at this point, all the red shirts are dead. Oh, yeah. Like, the last red shirt, the, the, the Egyptologist the, guy, is killed the by him. by uh, curator. <laughs> Yeah, the museum curator is literally ripped apart by... Scorpion King. King. The best... The best red shirt death was a little earlier in the movie when there's this running theme of this guy with knives. Doesn't really have any speaking roles, but he has a knife. Yeah. Uh, I think his only line is the book when he tosses the Book of the Dead to one of the other guys so he can pull out his guns and shoot. Yeah. And he runs into Jonathan while they're running from the pygmies, and Jonathan's like, Oh, we're safe! We're safe! You see those sacred stones? They'll never cross those. And the other guy goes, Are you sure? And he goes, Of course I'm sure. And then one of the pygmies sees them, runs in, vaults over the sacred stones, and stabs the red shirt in the chest. Yeah, and then and then Jonathan scared screams and it scares the pygmy away. And then the guy with the with the spear still in his chest looks at Jonathan like, I thought you said it was safe. And Jonathan's like, sorry, my mistake, and he runs away. That was the best red shirt death in the movie. Because yeah. <laughs> he looks sorry, my, my mistake. He looks so legitimately ticked off. Not that he has a spear in his chest, but not that, that he's jo- dying. But that Jonathan misinformed. Was, Misinformed him. He, Jonathan's ego cost him his life. Um, so I. Uh, I mean, he wasn't wrong, but he also was not right. Yeah. So. Uh, Thing is, with spheres, is that you can you can reach with it from a tree or throw them. Well, yeah, true. But he was saying that the thing wouldn't even cross the sacred yeah. stones, and it did. So clearly, yeah. he was completely wrong about yeah. that. Um. I also like that it seems like something you would see in a, like, that seems like a thing right out of an Indiana Jones movie. Like, those sacred stones, they're safe. Indy would be like, we're safe here. We don't have to worry. And then it just bolts over. <laughs> that was funny. Um, so, uh, the Scorpion King fight has terrible CGI. Like, legitimately bad. You're going to have to accept it if you want to see this movie. Assuming you haven't seen it, which I hope you have before you listen to us spoil it. Yeah. Uh, but there's a, uh, the, the fight is legitimately good, in my opinion, because it's a kind of three-way fight. Imhotep wants to kill the Scorpion King. Imhotep wants to kill Rick. Rick wants to kill Imhotep. Rick wants to kill the Scorpion King. The Scorpion King wants to kill Rick and would want to kill Imhotep if Imhotep had lied and said he was on his side. Yeah. Um, but there's a great moment where throughout this movie, there, there really isn't what I would call themes no. Character development in this movie? No. But there is a small running gag of sorts involving Rick and his family, because it turns out his wife is the reincarnation of Nefertiri. It turns out Rick has this uh, this tattoo on his wrist that uh, marks him as a magi, and his son is the way to Amshir. But Rick refuses to accept the fact that he is somehow chosen by God. So then he's in the temple, and the Scorpion King's about to kill him. He sees a bunch of, like, depictions on the wall that show a guy with his tattoo 
and the golden stick of Osiris, which can be extended out into a full-on spear, and then that can be used to kill the Scorpion King. And he literally looks at that on the wall and goes, okay, now I'm a believer. And then, <laughs> and then he runs back out just as Jonathan runs in with the golden stick of Ospir- Osiris and Ospiris. says, Osiris, Osiris, and says, uh, Jonathan, it's the golden stick thing, it's a spear. <laughs> really? Doesn't look like a spear. It can pull out of his spear. It opens up into one. Yes, and <laughs> that's great. That's probably one of those frustrating parts of the movie, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, and um, so it, it, it gets to this moment where Rick. Uh, no, no one needs to talk about the specifics of the fight. It ends with Rick stabbing the Scorpion King right through his guts just during the, the most, one of the most giffy moments in history where Lotep <laughs> runs in just as after Rick stabbed him and goes, draws to his knees and goes, No! Well, he says it, he just says, Die! But it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> I'm sure you, most of you, listen to this. I've seen that gif a couple times. Yeah, I'm sure many of you have seen that gif. If you haven't, it's hilarious, <laughs> and it will ruin this movie in that moment. But there's well, it ruined it for me. <laughs> immediately after that moment, though, there's the line from Rick, which is the most badass line in the movie, where the rules are: if you if you challenge the Scorpion King and you successfully beat him. You have control of his army. You can use it to destroy and conquer the world, or you can you, you can send them back to where they come from. So Rick, after he stabbed the Scorpion King, says, Go to hell and take your friends with you. And that was a great one. Um, and the Scorpion... Meanwhile, while this is happening, we've been following Ardet uh, fighting this Anubis's armies uh, with the other Magi. There's only a couple dozen of them left, and they're about to get wiped out by this just ocean of Anubis warriors. Very Lord of the Rings there. Very Lord of the Rings. And uh, <laughs> then he immediately, then they all turn to sand, and, you know, Ardeth screams, Yay! <laughs> <laughs> we did it! <laughs> um, Yay! <laughs> and then, um, Yay. then we cut back to the temple. <laughs> we cut back to the temple, and it's uh, Imhotep and Rick are hanging over this pit, which I assume was supposed to be hell. I'm not sure why there's a pit to hell in this temple, but there is. Why not? <laughs> why not? I mean, it, it goes with everything. It matches the drapes. <laughs> next... You just had to break the floor open to yeah, find it. Yeah. It accentuated the fire pits. <laughs> there are literally fire pits in this where they just keep shooting flame up for no reason. <laughs> Tons of creepy body things. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, Imhotep and Rick are being like pulled by, I guess, the denizens of hell down, and uh, Evie, who Rick has now noticed is alive, uh, he's screaming at her to stay back, don't, don't save me, get out of there, take Alex and get out of there, but much like Rick couldn't just let Evie being dead go without taking on Imhotep, she can't just stand there and watch him die, so she risks being crushed by all the boulders that are falling down to save him. And conversely, Imhotep screams to a knock to the moon to save him, and she says no and runs away. And after Evie pulls Rick up, Imhotep looks at them and then, like, just lets himself be pulled down to hell. Which, 
I will admit, I think it's only on the strength of the actor. It yeah, did hit me a little bit. Yeah. It did hit me a little bit, but I also have to admit it's really hard for me to sympathize with the main villain of two movies. Yeah, I know, right? The, like, we he literally see him suck people dry in this movie and in the previous that, one. Don't ever word it that way again. <laughs> Should I say suckle them to death? What would you prefer? You could just say kill them. Drains their bodily fluids. <laughs> That's basically what you said the first time. Ash! Sorry, he's mad at us for not making that We will, I promise we will figure out something to do with Ash so this doesn't happen every single well, horror. Well, he's been quiet mostly. It, it mostly isn't. We're going to have to figure something out. But we. But please forgive him for now. So, um, he dies and then immediately after, Imhotep just lets himself be pulled to hell Enough to the moon trips and falls in a vat of scorpions and <laughs> gets stung no, to death. the Beatles. No, it was the scorpions. It was Beatles. It's the scorpion it king's the temple. No, no it was the it was the flesh eating beetles. The, the flesh eating. So it's the it's the it's, it's the flesh eating guys that sing all those songs. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> those famous songs. Those famous songs. You couldn't even name it right. You couldn't name one. We just watched Across the Universe. Come on, Eric. Hey, Jude. <laughs> I'm showing uh, Megan a trivia thing where it says she's eaten scarabs. by scorpions. Benny is eaten by scarabs, and Anux Sudamoon falling into a pit and is eaten by scorpions. Okay, those look like scarabs. It's the it's the scorpion temple. It's bad CGI. It looks the same. <laughs> she's eaten alive by bad CGI. Yeah, That's it's what right. happened. She's eaten alive by bad CGI. Yeah. Even Ash thought that was funny. Uh, so uh, she dies. Then the the whole of the oasis being sucked into the temple because I guess Anubis didn't need it anymore. Yeah. So uh, Rick and his family climb up to the top of the pyramid. Um, and at that exact moment is when Izzy shows back up with a working air balloon. Airship. Airship. <laughs> it's an airship, get it right? <laughs> it has a balloon. Yeah, but it's an airship. It's, it's an airship. airship. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want one of those in real life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and everybody starts climbing up it, and then Jonathan nearly falls off, and when he falls off, he notices that the top of the temple has this gigantic diamond, so he's like, no, 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 let me grab the diamond first. And remember that a god is sucking this entire oasis into nothing. Your life isn't worth it. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And he grabs it, and then they all manage to escape the last sucking poof. Uh, <laughs> there's a poof. Remember, it's not sucking, there's a poof. <laughs> is, that, is this like your, your sword all over again? <laughs> For those of you wondering, we were, we were looking through a list of old... Um, NES-ish games, and there was one called Demon Sword, but because of the way that the font looked, I read it as Seabird Sword, and she has never let me live it down. I, and I never will. <laughs> uh, and then the movie ends with um, Rick kissing uh, Evie uh, and Izzy fighting with... Um, Jonathan over who gets the, the diamond. and gets Arden, half the diamond. He gets half the diamond and Art at Bay, like, saluting them from a distance to let him know that he's okay. Yeah. Uh, it was a good movie, in my opinion. I, I, I like this film in spite of its faults. It's schlocky. It's schlocky. It is very much a... I know it came out in 2001, but it is very much a 90s adventure action film. There's no... Everybody real... knows that 90s movies didn't stop until at least 2004. Yeah. You know that, right? It's, it's, got, it's got almost no real levels to it, but the characters are, are, are 
bare bones, but they're relatable enough. Mm-hmm. The adventurous setting and the spectacle is meant to make it worthwhile, and it is. And it's just, it's, it wears its heart on its sleeve. It's not trying to be anything other than what it is. It's not trying to be a dark, atmospheric movie. It's not trying to be a great movie. <coughs> yeah. The, Tom the, Cruise. <coughs> yeah, the Tom Cruise mummy was trying to be. It's not trying to be um, a deep character study of these, you know, morally great. No, no, no. There's a bad guy with superpowers, and these rogues have to fight him. Mm-hmm. And it's really, yeah, there are some serious issues with the continuity of the first movie. And like, the travel issues. The like, travel the, issues. The inability to realize how time and space work. <laughs> but if you're watching this movie for the continuity issues with the first Mummy movie, then you're missing the point. Yeah. It's meant to just turn, it's meant to be, a, I hate the phrase turn off your brain, because I don't think anyone should ever have to do that to enjoy no, the movie. No, but I do think it should, this movie is not a movie that needs to be analyzed. It is just meant to make you feel distracted and, and, and happy kind of like pop music. Yeah, it's just meant to make Some you... pop music is deep, but this but some of it's not. It's just to be listened to and have fun with. <laughs> it's uh, a Katy Perry song as a movie. <laughs> uh, some people may not like this because, much like Ghostbusters 2, it does rip off the first movie a lot. But I think almost. I like Ghostbusters 2, though. So do I. But I'm, I'm just saying some people don't. Yeah. But I do think that the way it rips off the first movie is done in an intelligent and jest filled way. Yeah. It's not meant to be a carbon copy, it is meant to comment on the first movie a bit. Uh, but that's my opinion. I, I think we both would agree it's good. Uh, yeah, it was fun. I would also say it was it needs points just for giving The Rock of his a film chance, debut. A chance to get, get off the diving board yeah. and get to the pool. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which, because we obviously love Dwayne Johnson's actor, we wouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Uh, he's, I'm he's waiting fun. for when we get to the later stuff where I really love his work, but for right now, I I, I didn't hate him in this movie, and yeah. obviously... And we're not going to have fun with the next movie, I feel no. like, uh, in my bones. But the other thing i got to say is that <laughs> the, this movie, not only did it manage to introduce us to Dwayne Johnson as a movie actor and springboard that career, obviously he was charismatic and liked enough to be hired not only to lead an entire movie about that character, but even though he has only been in the first one, that character has continued for four subsequent films. So there was something there. There was something there. Um, I feel like the sequels don't get it because they're not hiring the Dwayne The Rock Johnson. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, I think that about wraps it up for this particular episode. Uh, Like I said in our last video, we're going to try to do this every week. Uh, I cannot promise that. We're playing it kind of by ear. This is just something fun for us to do over quarantine. Yeah, so do I. Uh, (laughs) But we'll see. Uh, We we can probably squeeze in a movie and then an hour or two talking about it during our week. It's not that big a deal. Um, Next movie we are doing, for anyone out there who might want to keep up with us, is the 2001 movie, Long Shot which is not streaming anywhere. I literally had to find a copy of this uh, on DVD and order it. (laughs) It was five bucks on Amazon. Uh, I'm not going to tell you it's worth getting because, honestly, I can't say it is. Uh, (laughs) It doesn't look particularly good. Um, It's got, like, what, a 2 out of 10? 2.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Oh, sorry. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to um, underestimate it that way. <laughs> uh, just to give you an idea of what we're coming in for, the, the, the top review from the users on IMDb is one star, and it says, I just saw this on cable. I'm in great pain. <laughs> <laughs> and that's going to be us. It's really bad. Please, please don't watch this movie. Maybe we shouldn't. 
<laughs> but yeah, uh, we're gonna have to, Megan. We committed to this, and we're doing it. Uh, he's not even in it that much. <laughs> we don't know how much he's in it. Uh, you can't know something until you try. He's li- but Dwayne Johnson is listed as mugger, and it is, according to this, he is credited as Dwayne Johnson in oh, that movie. Really? So his first official, his first official um, naming in the credits in a movie is long shot. So we definitely have to see it. Oh, uh, but the Scorpion King is the week after that, so that won't be so bad. Yeah, that'll um, be fun. And like I said, we'll try to figure out something to do with the uh, the dog between now and then to keep him quiet. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with him. <laughs> well, we can't have the animals constantly making noise, Megan. Yeah. In any event, uh, it's been fun. I'm glad you finally got to see Mummy Returns. Mm. Are you? Yeah. Okay. And uh, we will be back, and um, we will get better at this as time goes on, because that's how people do things. Yeah. <laughs> deep. Sure, sure, huh? Yeah, I'm deep, Megan. I'm a very deep individual. He's fake deep, like James. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to everyone out there listening, uh, I hope you have a good time, and uh, make sure you join us again later as we continue to rock on. That's actually a song. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. But in this case, it's it's about The Rock and us continuing on. Okay, let's just so. exit, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Have a good day.